Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, having a look at this, at, at this passage from John 4. And I want to start by asking you, have you ever prayed for a sign, a miracle? Maybe you have had one, you know, one of those inexplicable things that you can only put down to being at the hand of God at work. Uh, For me, I recall quite clearly my final year uh, when I was studying full-time at Theological College. Those were the days, the good old days. There was no fee help. There was no government assistance. And everyone had to pay up front. It cost a lot of money for your fees, your your living um, accommodation. And I was uh, coming to the end of my financial resources as I was coming to the last half year of my study. And I had a car, I needed a car for all my um, things that I was doing in the parish that I had a placement in on the Sunday, a long way to drive, and my car packed it in. And the, uh, the garage, uh, the repair said it's gonna cost a lot of money. And I thought, oh heck, God, what am I gonna do? I can't pay this. A couple of days later, I got a letter sent to me in the days of snail mail. And in the snail mail, it were, there was a check. Uh, it was, and, and it came with a letter. It was from um, the assistant minister of the church that was my home church a few years ago. And uh, it, it said, uh, I just thought you might need this. And the tears welled up in my eyes as I looked at the amount that was written on the check. And it was exactly the amount that I needed for this car. Now, I wonder if you wish that things like that happened to you, or if things like that do happen to you, that you wish that they would happen to you more often, to somehow maybe freshen up your faith, to strengthen your faith. Or maybe you're here today and you're not yet a Christian and you're thinking, Yeah, that's the sort of thing that I need to push me over the line to confirm the reality of Jesus for me. That's what I need, a good sign from heaven. Come on, Jesus, prove yourself to me and I'll believe. Well, if you've been reading John's Gospel, which um, is a great thing for you to do, you might have noticed that there's a fascinating interplay between signs that Jesus does and believing. And the way that that interplay works is quite surprising. Uh, We live in a world that's often a believe it when I see it kind of world. But the sort of faith that Jesus is looking for is, is much more than that. Much more than a believe it when I see it kind of faith. So as we look at this sign in chapter 4 of John, I want us to trace something of that theme of believing and seeing. When I see it, I'll believe it. When I'll believe it when I see it. It's a thread that's all through John's Gospel. But it started way back in chapter 4. Do you remember? Just after Jesus did the first sign in Cana of turning water into wine, it says this in verse 23 of chapter 2. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them 
for he knew all people. They believe in his name because they see the amazing things that he can do. Which at first glance is a bit strange, isn't it? But if we turn to the sign before us today in chapter 4, notice that the account uh, just before this, remember from last Sunday, which Beck talked about, of Jesus' time with the Samaritans, remember? They were a people who were despised, but they readily accept Jesus for who he is. First of all, the woman at the well, then the crowd who ask him to stay with them, and then at the end of the, ch- the, the, the chapter, verse 40, they believe in him also. And remember that it wasn't because of the miracle sideshow that he was doing. It said, because of his words, many of them became believers. And those Samaritan crowd in the town said to the woman in verse 42, uh, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So as we come to this second sign today that we have before us in John's Gospel, keep those things in mind. Remember the first sign was turning water into wine. And remember we talked about the way that John talks about them being a sign, the miracles are signs in John because they are miracles with a message. They are called signs um, because they point to something. They're meant to be read. They're not party tricks designed to impress. They're more like acted parables. And so you see here in verse verse 54, at the end of the chapter, John calls this miracle a sign, the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Galilee to, to Judea to Galilee. So let's pick up the story in verse 43. It says, after two days, he left for Galilee. Remember that Jesus is on his way home from Judea through Samaria to his home in Galilee. And then there's this strange comment in the next verse. In our Bibles, um, it puts it in parentheses, verse 44. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. Now, you'll know that if you run a business, you've got to bring a consultant in from the outside if you ever want anyone in your company to listen to what you have to say. If you work there, no one will ever listen to you. But at first glance, it seems that when Jesus from Galilee goes home to his own country in Galilee, they do honour him. Verse 45, the Galileans welcomed him. So there was a bit of a puzzle here that was going on when I was preparing this and I discovered that it was uh, obscured a little bit in our English translations uh, because in the original Greek there is a little word therefore in the sentence that is not translated in many English translations, including ours that we have today. So without that, therefore, it looks like Jesus 
says that he won't be honoured, but then he turns up in Galilee and he is honoured. They roll out the red carpet. So with the help of that little word, let me suggest a slightly different translation. And it fits with that thread that we have been following. Let me suggest that it goes something like this. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country, verse 45. Therefore, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Uh, Sorry if it looks like I'm labouring the point a bit, but I hope that you can see that they had left, um, that Jesus had left Samaria where they took him at his word, where they recognised him as a prophet, as Messiah, as a saviour of the world, and that's good. And now he's come to Galilee, his hometown, his home region, where they only welcome him because of the great tricks that he can do because of what they see him do, which John is saying is not so good. And that's exactly what Jesus says later. He accuses them of in verse 48. Have a look at that. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Which is exactly like many people today. I'm very sorry to say this, but as a minister of St. Hilary's for about 13 years, I saw many people leave our church to go to other churches who promised more signs and wonders, healings and miracles. They had that sort of belief that required, that was dependent on signs and wonders. And I don't want to say that those members, um, for those members hearing the word of God was not important to them, but it wasn't enough. Now with all that background, let's look at what happens here because the funny thing is, Jesus does do a very remarkable and powerful sign But it's a sign when you look at it, there's not much for the people to see. Jesus is there, but he's not doing anything. So he's back in Cana where he had turned water into wine and there's a royal official, you see there, whose son is sick, he's on his deathbed, 20 kilometers down the road in Capernaum. And you see that it doesn't really matter, does it, how important you are in life, how rich you are, how wealthy you are, how connected you are. When your child is sick and the doctors say there's nothing you can do, you're as helpless as any person. And so when this uh, royal official hears that Jesus is in town, he is there in a flash. And he begs Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son. And my guess is that when that official, that father, left his son in Capernaum to travel 20 kilometres to Cana to Jesus, he really didn't know whether he would see his son alive again. 
He'd been to all the doctors, he'd been to the naturopaths. There was nothing that anyone could do. He had nothing to lose and he treks it to Cana. He humbles himself, this important man, he humbles himself, he begs Jesus, come and heal my son. Which is when Jesus says these harsh sounding words and he's addressing the crowds here as well. The crowds were thinking, yeah, 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 let's, let's see a sign. And Jesus says, verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. But the royal uh, official is not to be put off. He persists, sir, come and heal my son. And with a word, Jesus says, go. Your son lives. I don't have to come with you. I don't have to be there. Go. Your son lives. And so what I think Jesus is doing here is, yes, he is going to give a sign and wonder. He is going to answer his prayer, his request for a sign, but he's doing in a way that holds out a test of faith for this man to test his belief. What sort of a faith is he going to have? Will the man believe even though there is no miracle to see before him? Will he believe without the miracle? Will he believe before he sees? And astoundingly, the man takes Jesus at his word and he believed and he departs home. Now, maybe the crowd around Jesus at that point is really disappointed and they're grumbling because there was nothing to see. But this official, this father, is satisfied to take Jesus at his word. And so he, for one, is not going to be like those other Galileans, his countrymen, who won't believe unless they see. So he sets off, doesn't he? He sets off down the road, having taken Jesus at his word, where he is met halfway along the road by his own servants. In verse 51, great news, your son lives. He's recovered. Now, no doubt, this official was so overjoyed, but he actually wants to know one thing. When? When did my son recover? And they say it was yesterday about one o'clock, which the father realises that is exact moment when Jesus spoke the word to him, your son lives. And so verse 53, it says that he and all his household believed. And this was the second sign Jesus performs, said John. So how do we read this sign? With uh, Jesus turning the water into wine back in Cana, our first sign, it was easier to visualise the sort of uh, picture, the symbolism that was happening in that miracle with the water being turned into wine and the abundance of Jesus and the eternal life that he is bringing but this second sign is a little bit harder to draw. 
It starts with death and it ends with life. It's about words and believing which are harder to capture. But there is something in this sign which we are meant to read, catch hold of. Something about the nature of faith and how trust really works between you and Jesus and how it's not meant to work. Something quite deep about what the Bible says about putting your trust, your faith in Jesus and the sort of faith that will move you from death to life. And this is where the rest of John's Gospel helps us to understand believing and words and about life. Because here in this sign we have a man who is told, we are, we are told very specifically has taken Jesus at his word and the result of that, the sign of that, is life. So if you have a Bible, turn back to the opening of John's Gospel. Remember we learnt it was the, called the prologue because it raises all the key themes that John is going to develop in his Gospel. And if you take a look at verses 11 and 12 of chapter 1, it gets us thinking about believing, which is the first element of the sign before us today. And interestingly, in a very similar sort of situation of Jesus coming to the area of Galilee, his home, do you notice that verse 11 of chapter 1 starts like this? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I mean, they liked the signs okay. Uh, They were impressed by a good show, but they didn't receive him. But keep reading. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. There's something about believing that we are meant to do that looks very much like receiving, about welcoming, about taking Jesus into your home and your heart. You know, there are a lot of things, the sorts of stuff that you can test, you can measure, you can know, stuff that you can do in a lab at university, which doesn't actually change things for you. The Galileans were believing, they're they're seeing the signs, but they're not actually reading the signs. And this sign says, I am looking for you to trust me, Jesus says, to take me at my word, because that's the way of life. And to believe him is actually to receive him and say, welcome. And it's got something to do with taking him at his word, which is the key to the sign as well. 
And we see this also in chapter uh, 6 of John, because remember when Simon Peter and the other disciples are catching on to Jesus and the crowds are deserting him because his teaching is too hard. And Jesus says in verse 12, are you going to desert me too? And Simon says in verse, uh, Simon says in verse 68, he says, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. So he's not going anywhere. He's sticking with Jesus because his words are the things that are going to bring him life. That alone is going to bring him life. So if Jesus' words are the things that we're going to trust in and bring life, you think we would want to listen to them, to hold them as central, to build our lives on them because they are words of life and they will bring life. And the crowds are hanging around because they want to see a sign. They're not interested in hearing and trusting Jesus' words. And there's one more stopping point before we finish. It's in the end of John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 29 to 30, where John is building a bridge between the Gospel and Jesus and the people who are there, the people who saw him, the disciples who were there, and us today. And he tells us the reason that he's written his whole Gospel in the first place. And listen to this, he's talking to Thomas. Remember Thomas, famous Thomas, often called Doubting Thomas, who when the other disciples saw Jesus, uh, the risen Jesus, he says, I'll believe it when I see it. And Jesus does show himself to Thomas, but Jesus says in verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then John says in verse 30, And Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you may have life in his name. And that's what Jesus, uh, John wants us to do with this whole gospel and this sign that we are reading today, that you and I will believe because of his words. Because you and I um, don't get to see the risen Jesus like the disciples did. We weren't there when all those amazing signs and wonders happened that Jesus did. And if you're like me, that in, in your everyday life, um, it's just not... Signs and wonders are not part of my average, everyday experience. But Jesus says to Thomas, blessed are those who, who have not seen but yet believe. So what is this all about? If we can read this sign before us today, what is it actually saying to us? Well, it's saying that it's about taking Jesus at his word and that brings life. I wonder what the life of faith looks like for you. I wonder what the life of faith is meant to look like. I wonder if for you you're thinking that your faith would be stronger if only you just had a few more amazing miracles in your life. What does this say for us today? They might happen by the grace of God, but they may not. Do you have a faith that is more dependent on those things or on 
God and his promises that he holds out for you, the word that Jesus says to you. Do you think there's something wrong with your faith because you don't have lots of things that you see in your life, in the life of your church, in the life of other people's faith? That somehow you have to whip up or rely or pray for those things in order to have a stronger faith? But this passage says this man, this official, who took Jesus at his word and departed was living the life of faith. A faith that doesn't always see, yet believes that he is Jesus that takes his word, his promises to you, and you trust them. Maybe for the small things in life, the everyday things, maybe for the really big things in life, like I will forgive you. Like Jesus saying, I will help you. I love you. I will raise you from the dead. That's a big thing that I have been trusting Jesus for, as you know, (laughs) with my illness, that um, being home to be with Jesus may come sooner than I thought. The reality of do I really trust Jesus' words? I haven't seen Jesus risen from the dead. I haven't seen him raise anyone from the dead. I just have his word. Do I trust Jesus that I'm going home to be with Jesus and take him at his word? That is the life of faith. He's saying, Trust me, because there is life at the end of the tunnel. So let's pray that we will have the sort of faith that takes Jesus at his word, and that is the way to true life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, uh, like you did with this official, you are putting your word out there to believe And it's now our turn to make the decision about whether we will take you at your word. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to believe you and your word and that our lives might be signs of faith to the world around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.